Do you know the different stages you should start building links for your content website? Also, what about the percentage of resources you should allocate to building links at each of those different stages? Hi, I'm Joe Krause. I am the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And today, I'm speaking with Alex Horseman, who has been working in the SEO industry for over seven years now. And in the meantime, he's mastered the art of building and scaling in-house content marketing teams. He started out learning how to link build with nothing but a spreadsheet and his own drive for success, which at the time was a paid for on per link basis, basically. He now creates winning link building pitches with minimal effort that is uniquely curated for each recipient. And this eventually led him to into the world of SEO, where his friend who was building and flipping six-figure sites started letting him build links for his sites. And in exchange, he was able to learn and was taught keyword research, how to structure well-written articles, search intent, and just so much more. And through this decision, Alex, was he believes this is one of the best decisions he was able to make and it propelled him forwards to creating his own wildly successful affiliate site. And now he helps companies and global brands, some even in the eight-figure range, scale their marketing efforts, improve on existing content strategies, and rapidly meet their projected traffic goals. And in this podcast episode, Alex and I talk about who should be the first person you hire when you're building out your content team and why. Who's the next person? Where's the bottlenecks in your team and when to start scaling the team? We also talk about why you must need writer guidelines and what those guidelines look like in terms of like what they should be and what they, you know, how to implement them. We also talk about how to train your writers, editors, and your team without just sending them an SOP and why training is super essential and what sort of training you should be doing and hand-holding you should be doing versus not doing. We always talk about AI content and volume versus human-optimized content. It's a juicy part of our you know, topic for the world these days um, and which approach is actually better for more traffic. We also talk about what a great affiliate article looks like. We stack up a great affiliate article next to an affiliate article that's a flop and show you why a great affiliate article earns far more revenue compared to the one that flops. We also talk about the tools that Alex recommends to use to manage your team and create killer content. And we also talk about backlink building. When to start backlink building, at what stages your site should start put, you know, doing backlinks, and then at what different stages or points in the business evolution should you start putting more of its resources towards link building. So it's such a fascinating thing to think about. Now we talk so much about content creation in this podcast episode. If you own a content website, this is the one for you. Have you been lied to about how to increase organic traffic and grow your website? I too used to think that all you needed to do is add more content and gain backlinks. But this just doesn't work. More content and more links alone is not the answer. Nor do you need to butcher your website with generic SEO changes you picked up on some crummy online tutorial leaving with a Frankenstein website that's slow and clunky. And because I got sick of seeing great people with great websites struggle to grow them, I decided to do something about it. I created an SEO service, which is not just about publishing content and getting links. Sure, we offer that. But first, we give you quick wins, which are SEO tweaks we can make to your website that actually boost your rankings. And then we lay out a killer SEO strategy to acquire more traffic and revenue that outranks your competitors with less content and less links. We've thoroughly tested this service on many websites before launching it and have achieved incredible results, which you'll see on our landing page I'm about to share with you. Now you can finally buy a business and give it to us to grow it for you. 
check out our SEO service, head to buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash SEO hyphen services and book a call to chat with us to see what is the best growth strategy for you and your website. That's buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash SEO services and the link will be in the description too. Alex, welcome to the pod. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jerry. Yeah, look, I appreciate looking it. forward to chatting. All things content, SEO, blogging, hiring. We've already discussed a few things before hitting the record buttons. But a lot of people here listening um, are buying content sites and uh, they want to grow them. So say someone's just bought a content website and they want to build their own team in-house, you know, own team of like content yeah. writers. Where where should they start? Like where would you suggest some, if somebody's coming to you with a, a, a blog and they're like, hey, I want to build yep. in-house in in -house, um, team of content writers that is like next level good, what's the first yeah. step typically? Yeah, the very first step is making sure that you have like general writer guidelines in place. Uh, that's that's going to be the number one thing. Um, and then on top of that, I'm going to have templates for each of your type of articles. So like for affiliate marketers and content website owners, that's going to be your roundup reviews, your A versus B, single product reviews. Uh, making sure that you have all those as templates and having those general writing guidelines is going to go a long way. Like I can't tell you how many writers we've onboarded and they've just been like, holy crap, you have this like you have this prepared for us. I know what tone to use. I know what voice to use. I know what, um, you know, if it's like American English versus uh, British English or, you know, just small things like that uh, is going to be the number one thing to get cool. uh, set up. Now, I I think also, if you want me to take this here, I'm kind of like just going on a tangent, but uh, it depends also if you're hiring like niche expert writers or if you're hiring general, generalist writers. So like if you're an expert in the niche and you're going to be reviewing all the articles, then I think it's safe to hire those generalist writers who are going to be a little bit cheaper, you know, four cents a word to six cents a word. Um, However, if you don't know anything about your niche, uh, then you might want to hire a like a niche specific person who actually knows what the heck they're talking about. But that's going to be, you know, eight to 12 cents a word, if not higher, depending on the niche that you're in. Yeah. So for somebody that is knows their niche, you know, say if I've got a blog on surfing and <clears> I'm prepared <throat> to do the editing, uh, I can hire yeah. somebody uh, who's a general writer, not a surfer first, but a writer first, and uh, get some cheaper yeah. content that way or cheaper writing that way. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm prepared to edit it, I advocate a lot of people that buy businesses to not write the content themselves because their goal is to earn an income online and not work as much. And when you when you do, I mean, it depends. It's, it's everybody's at a different level. Sometimes people. Um, are starting a bit smaller and can't afford to um, go down that route. You mentioned a few of them, in, you know, in terms of writer tone, like what language you speak from, native US or UK. Um, yeah, they would would that maybe they would uh, two sort of uh, writer guidelines. What else goes into writer guidelines? Since you're saying it's the first step and it's so helpful with onboarding, what do people need to know about those guidelines? What do they look like, and and what else can you help us with on this uh, onboarding experience? Yeah, I actually kind of addresses another issue that I see with people who hire writers. Uh, 
it's like you you need to do proper training with them because it is so important. So like the, these rider guidelines and these SOPs that you hand out, like it it's great, good practice, but like having solid one-on-one time with the rider mm. is going to go like far and beyond um, what those SOPs and those guidelines say. So like whenever you have someone on board, you should be probably sending every article back for the first 30 days in my experience. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's not you being a dick. It's just like, Hey, this is how it is. And a lot of the times they don't know, uh, like affiliate marketing. Right. So mm. we actually, Kevin Ming has a like what web copy masterclass, I believe it is. So we put all of our writers through that, uh, for like proper training. And then like in terms of like, I guess, checklists that we do, those are more, um like seo related so like a couple here are like you know keyword in h1 keyword in the first hundred words keyword in last hundred words word count within 20 percent uh include eat in the introduction and integrate personal experiences um add export quotes where necessary and then answer like all h2s or faqs in nlp format you know repeat it back Mm. um so those are some examples but again like it, you will go so far if you just spend a lot of time with them when you bring someone on board. I, we actually like everybody we bring on board, their manager has like 10 minute huddles with them every single day. Yeah. And it's not necessarily to like micromanage them after 30 days, those stop happening and they become a weekly thing, but it just really helps a writer, editor, publisher, whoever gets them up to speed. And like, you just make that 10 minutes for them. Like, ask me any question that you receive. So mm-hmm. I can, I can give you SOPs all day long that are super helpful, but I think the most helpful thing is actually just spending quality time with them and giving like insanely detailed feedback and, and having good communication so that they understand that feedback, you know, just saying this sucks. That's not helpful, right? Like why, why is it not up to par with your standards? Yes. Yeah, spot on. I like that. Just like you said with, the training, spending time with them is so valuable, but sending those articles back for the first 30 or for like 100, if <laughs> however many you yeah. want, right? Like there's, there's no limit. Yeah. Like, and But not just sending back like this sucks, do it again. But I, I do this with people um, when we're doing outreach for like podcast guests, when we're doing anything, I will give a reason why this is good or why this is not good and what I want you to yep. do better next time or differently next time or um, what, you know, how you could make this even more valuable. So then I'd, and the more I do that at the start, the less, you know, down the track, it's like they're just trained up to be this complete A star, A team like worker, you know, like, and they're a gun. So that's what you want, right? Is you want to put the time and invest into it early to build them up and train them up to be self-sufficient in producing the best quality content without you having to rely on it. But I think a lot of people want the quick and easy uh, route. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, us SEOs and affiliate marketers, like a lot of people got into it because they don't want to work a lot or they can work online. Um, But you got to view it as a business and you got to train people and you got to work with people. And like management is a thing. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you're really trying to grow content sites and at scale, like you got to, be a good manager and you've got to learn how to train people yeah. and SOPs. I'm a, I'm a fanatic about them, right? Like that's, that's my thing operations, but 
I, I've just realized that nothing beats training and like talking and teaching someone. Yeah, because those SOPs can change over time and then you can tr- you can have your team change those SOPs the more you communicate them. Like it's easier for us to get on a call and say like, this is good, this is not so good. Can we agree on that and then not agree on this and then can we change this in the SOP? And they go away and change it. They understand it. And it continues going on like that. Like it's, it, and it's yep. less uh, transactional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it, and it makes it like more of a collaboration where the writer gets more buy in. Uh, and, you know, as opposed to I'm the boss, here's what to do. You have to stick to this to a T. And it's like, no, especially when you're hiring, hiring like niche experts, it's like, let them shine. You, you'll be amazed at what they can come up with if you get your like SOP out of the equation mm-hmm. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, spot on, spot on. Every time I ask somebody to do something, I ask them, what do you think about that? Um, do you think it's good? Do you think we could make it different, better? And if so, how? And asking those questions of like, what would you do differently or how would you do it differently? And, you know, sort of set them up to start thinking on their own to not need to come to you too regularly, but also um, for them to just, like you said, have buy-in and make executive decisions on it being more awesome without even needing to ask you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at like Authority Hacker, right? I'm a part of Authority Hacker Pro. That's kind of how I how I learned everything. And uh, they give a ton of SOPs and templates. And I mean, now you can, you can spot in, uh, somebody who's been through Authority Hacker a mile. As soon as you click on an article, you're like, yep, same outline and same format as every other mm-hmm. um, affiliate site. And it's very helpful to get those writers who are not SEOs and somebody who really understands the target demographic and target audience. And like, I think formulaic sites like that, you can make good money, but it'll only get you so far. Like every SERP is different. Every keyword is different. You've got to think outside of the box. Are you saying and possibly agreeing with me, it's better to hire people that are niche um, specific writers that are already in the niche? I prefer that. Yeah, we do have sites where we have generalist writers. But what we're doing now is like it's kind of a combination of EAT and getting a uh you know, the, just the fact checker in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone just sent an article back today and ripped it apart. And we would have never known like any of these facts because we're, you know, these generalist writers don't know anything about the product or the niche. And they're going off of, guess what? Other generalist writers who are all just like yeah. copying themselves. The and, same, same content, which is so dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I would either... I think you, especially with how everything is going, and if you don't want like a a revolving door affiliate site is what I call it, right? You Google something, you click on an article, you go buy a product, you never return to that site that recommended the product. Mm. If you don't want that, you need to hire niche experts, writers or niche experts to basically fact check your stuff, in my opinion. Otherwise, I mean, you can make money having a revolving door affiliate site, but I think those are slowly going to die. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. So who do you, if you if you want to build out a team of in-house writers uh, and content creators, just do all your content marketing, who do you hire first and why? 
I think, and then and then how? Do, I think that, oh, how does it like? What's the progression through like building out a team of like five? You know, yeah, 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 five to ten, um, more, yeah. I think so. I can tell you based off my mistakes, and I, <laughs> and I can also like I think it's a very you uh, situation, right? So my first affiliate site, I knew SEO. I was working for like a big e-commerce brand. Hated writing. I didn't think I was good at it. Didn't want to do it. So that was my very first hire, right? It was like, I'm doing all the SEO, the keyword research. I'm hanging it over to a writer. And then I'm kind of editing it. But it was really like the writer doing both of that. Mm -hmm. And then I was uploading the content as well. So, but again, if you enjoy writing or if you don't have the budget, like, you know, maybe you hire a publisher first because a publisher is going to be a bit cheaper. You know, most VAs um, can do that role. It's pretty low skill. Um, so it really, I think it's a, a new situation who that very first hire is, but I would typically recommend either a writer if you don't like to do it or a publisher. Mm -hmm. I, I personally kept all the SEO stuff. Like that was the last thing I outsourced mm -hmm. because that's what I was good at. That's what I knew. Uh, but if you're a kick-ass writer then maybe that's the last thing you outsource yeah yeah and sometimes maybe somebody is somebody's like well i'm not an seo but i need some keyword research done maybe they go get an seo to do some keyword research and build out a content acquisition you know content traffic acquisition plan that they can go away and then use to then hire a writer and then once you've got a writer or a publisher and you got your keywords and your sort of brief and all that sort of stuff set up who would you hire next? Would it be an editor? Would you suggest an yep. editor? Yeah. Yep. 100%. Yeah. So that was a big mistake I made where we just didn't have an editor. Mm. And it was, it, you know, it just, nobody was fact checking to see if those writer guidelines were being followed. And that's a huge step, right? Like I would, I would kind of half-ass do it and like go through the article once it was published, but I wasn't going through the actual checklist. I was I didn't care about readability or grammar. How did this look? Like the writer just threw it through Grammarly, and I was like, okay, cool, call it good. Um, but that's someone who's essential. Yeah, at that, I think spending a lot of time with your editor is probably. It's like I was saying with writers, mm. if you spend a ton of time with your editor then they get to pass that knowledge down to the writers. And now you don't have to spend so much time when you bring on more writers. So yeah, they get to, they get to basically when you hire, this is what I've noticed is the person that's like directly under you, the more you spend time, you spend yeah. them to train them up, then that will, that training and fil will filter down to everybody else 100%. in the hierarchy of, of the team. Um, because that's, that's always the writer is always referring to the editor and the editor is like the gatekeeper of what what needs to be done and then if it's a yeah you know same with every single person in the chain and with the um with the editor being trained up you're you're sort of teaching them i guess what's acceptable and the standard that we want for to go on our site to be published, right? And yep. to how to, and then if you have a call with them once a week or twice a week or however many times, you can continue to ask them like, how do we make this better? How do we make yep. this more valuable for the person, the human being, not just the the algorithm, like not just SEO, yep. but how do we make this better? Like if we're reviewing an affiliate product, 
what could we do to make this better? Like, could we get the writers to do a different type of research? Could we get them to find videos, images, different things? What sort of videos, what sort of images, um, you know, to make the content so much more superior? You can also even like maybe uh, like get your editor. This is what I typically tell people to do under me is like go away and do this work, do this R&D like go away and look at all your competitors, get me a list of like 10 and work out like what they're doing really well, what they're not doing so well. And then come to me with like three, three different solutions on how we can improve our content on our posts that is that they're doing kind of doing, but we can do it superior to them. And then what you're doing is you're not, they're going away and doing the R and D. They think they're doing it all for you. And for the site, yeah. What you're really doing is you're training them, right? Yep, yep, yep. A hundred percent. And I think what you're saying, like having an editor do that, is actually very valuable because it gets the SEO out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I would go to a website and I'd be like, "Oh, they're doing these internal links and this," and it's like, no, but like focus on the content. And I think, like, if we just look at personalities of SEOs, um, a lot of the times they're very system oriented process driven, like structure, structure. And it's very, very helpful to get like a writer who's typically a creative, right? And getting their viewpoint, not as an SEO, mm. will bring a ton to light. And having an editor do that, again, is like a great way to kind of get that creative looking at stuff versus me, who I'm going to look at, okay, here's how did they structure this? How can, you know, I'm, I'm not too good at analyzing the content myself. Mm. And relying on people who are stronger at that is a huge, huge lever that you can pull. Yeah, spot on. So let's talk about once you've got a good writer and a good editor and they're trained up and you want to scale, does it then become you have three writers and one editor? uh, And then what, you know, what ratio of like writers to editors do you have? Yeah, larger do you want to go with the more content you want to create? Like, for example, a writer might max out at like writing, you know, f- 10 articles a month or something like that or tw- yeah. 20 articles a month and you might want to double that. Like where do you, like what's what what have you found a good ratio in terms of scaling? Yeah, so I'm, I'm just trying to think through some of our projects right now. Uh, one of them has one editor and then three writers. And all three of those writers have full-time jobs and they're just doing this part-time. They're niche experts. They they care a ton about the hobby that they're writing in. Awesome. And so I so I think they're only writing like one article a week, right? Mm-hmm. So then that gets you to 12 articles per month. Not a huge like content publishing. But then, you know, on the other side, we have some sites where we're using AI and we have two writers, but we're busting out 10 articles a day. And, and we've realized that the editor is well backlogged. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so um, it's, I think it depends on how you structure it. And I, I hate being that typical SEO who always says it depends, but it, yeah, it depends on if you're doing the AI game or if you're doing like the super granular detail content game. And for us, like we have sites that, you know, it's a mixture of the two. You mm-hmm. kind of have like more riskier ones in your portfolio and then more white hat ones. Um, so I, t- I hate to give like a 
direct answer there but because it's gonna if be if you're doing like it's gonna be dependent on what the the editor is the bottleneck basically right yeah 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 yep yeah. um so the biggest we got was like six writers and two editors so it seems like on average three writers for one editor um and that's doing pretty dang granular articles now if you're doing the whole ai thing um and you have that templated out and the editor, a lot of that stuff doesn't even take much for the editor. It takes them 15 minutes. Um, so yeah I, yeah, I wish I could give a more concrete no, it's, answer. It's great <laughs> people to think about because people want to think like linearly, like, all right, so if I hire three writers, are they, you know, after I get more, I'm, I'm going to need another editor, just setting people up yeah. to sort of understand what a team, what a team looks like uh, and how to structure yeah. it. Um, and next yep. buyers. So we you touched on less content, more granular, um, yep. probably more valuable pieces of content than say AI sure. written and edited by a human being or AI yep. constructed, written, like, constructed with a writer as well as edited. Uh, what are you an advocate for and why? Um, like between those two, like what would you, you know, I would say I'm more of an advocate for helping the internet become a better place and not producing crap with AI. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Thank you. That's That said, I think a lot of content, question posts, um, how-to posts that have been are very basic. I don't think there's an issue using AI mm. with it. Mm. Um, but in terms of, like, especially when you're talking about, like, purchasing decisions, roundup reviews, a versus B product reviews, like I just don't have a good conscience, like just sending crap out the door. Because uh, I use the internet for research. I just got some, you know, barefoot shoes and I did a lot of research on it right. and I skipped over a ton of affiliates. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, like 10 best barefoot um, shoes that, yeah. 2023. 2023. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, this is just a list and without any value. Yeah, so I think there's um, I think there's a balance to be had there. I also think like AI can be interesting for like optimization. Like after you write the article, I think Steve Toth had a couple prompts that he shared mm -hmm. um, where it's just like, "Hey Google, go read the helpful content update guidelines and then tell me how I can update it." And that is very helpful. I think that's like the best way to use AI right now. Yeah, yeah, spot on. Agree. I'm all about. And when you think about it. I'm probably share this example before, but if you've got somebody that wants to buy a fishing rod and you've got an affiliate site that's got the 10 best fishing rods for under $200 and then you've got yep. another affiliate site, which is the two best fishing rods, um, you know, under $200 and the, the article that has the two best fishing rods has a guy using the using the fishing rods has been using them for a year recording videos using them showing the wear and tear showing yep. how they stand up against each other uh, their pros and cons um with video audio and and a, a big long post around it and then you got the 10 best fishing rods under 200 dollars. that article has 10 amazon links with 10 pros and cons no video not written by a fisher person like 
Yeah. Which which if you're the user, which um which review are you going to you know base your facts information off before you buy a fishing rod? By far, yeah. you're going to go with the person who has used the fishing rod and recorded videos and shown the wear and tear, pros and cons, and all that sort of stuff. It's not even a a uh, a, a thought process to look at that uh, the ten best fishing rods article. So. The and then you could have like you know, uh, maybe they've got like ten pieces of content with ten keywords around you know fishing rods under two hundred dollars or whatever it is you know, and they yeah. put it all out there and they're trying to like cover every single area, but this one with the the best two best fishing rods could cover all of those keywords in that one article, and is far more impactful and far more dense. You because you're optimizing for a human being and, and helping them making a good purchasing decision, like it, that same amount of money you put into 10 articles versus the one, like you, it's not even, it's night and day, the results are going to be, you know, that person is going to make far more affiliate commissions. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I guess my only pushback there, unfortunately, is looking at data, 80% plus don't make it past the first product review. Uh, whenever they come to our roundup reviews, mm. uh, which is a good thing, but most people, you know, they're they're either converting or not within that first section. They're just like Google keyword. It's like problem. Click on the first link. Solution. Boom. But um, that being said, the you know twenty or thirty percent that are actually reading your article, they will come back if you do exactly what you just talked about. There's going to be a lot of users who just like. They just like go click around and go look at products and they probably check out a couple of different roundup reviews and then go buy the product. Um, but those people who are really interested in fishing and getting a fishing rod, mm -hmm. and if you really give them an in-depth article, they will come back and that is exactly how you differentiate yourself from a revolving door affiliate site to a brand. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask around the tools that you recommend people using with their team it can be seo tools writing tools you mentioned grammarly before but like what are like the most yep. essential like the things that you know you you highly recommend people using and why yeah i'll get probably a little bit of heat for this because everybody likes asana and trello but i am click up all day long yeah click up cool um, okay yeah yeah not to toot my own horn but i'm click up verified which I think just means I spend a ton of time in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I absolutely love it for project management. Like we got onto it during COVID and it absolutely changed the game. Like I could not believe we were doing everything through email and basically like each email thread was a different task. And then you had to reply in the thread and, and, and it was very, very confusing. And then like Atlassian was our wiki. And it was terrible. ClickUp absolutely changed the game. And those writer guidelines and those publishing guidelines and those editing guidelines, you can build them in as subtasks within the pieces of content so that the writers check them off every single time. And your discussions, like, again, also as we were talking about collaboration, like if each task is an article, your, your discussion can happen within you know, inside that task yes. where everyone's commenting on it on, Hey, here's how I think we can improve it. Here's how I think we can improve it. Um, so it's super powerful. I absolutely like 
I can't believe we worked without project management software for so long. So ClickUp, even if you're like, I think ClickUp is pretty intimidating and it can be a bit robust. It can be when you first some open it up, right? Like, but yeah. once you start to learn, it's like, I mean, we started using it through COVID as well. Uh, yeah. We don't use it so much anymore because we just chat and things are running pretty smoothly. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, I'm not. I don't have a team of writers that I'm managing and a big mat. I keep my I keep my things pretty condensed. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. If you've got yeah. like if you've got like four or five people, then why wouldn't you with all these different tasks? Yeah, a hundred percent. And then you know, and then we run. Uh, I think I'm currently involved in about eight sites, and so you know we got four people on each site like it gets pretty dang chaotic pretty quickly and without a project management software i would lose my mind just like an agency like at that point you're basically running an in-house agency for different brands um so click up absolute game changer for us and i guess in terms of seo stuff i don't have anything probably new to add there hrs that's gonna be keyword research competitor get or uh, was it, what do they call it? Content gap analysis and then backlink analysis, clear scope um, for content optimization. I don't know if there's a difference between Surfer or clear scope or Muse. Have you seen more Neuron Rider? Neuron Rider. Yep, that's another one. Yeah. Um, we've tested it out. Uh, I just didn't see. I'm grandfathered in. I joined clear scope way early in. Uh, and so I got a pretty good rate over there and I'd like Bernard a lot. And um, so that's where we use Google search console. And then GA4 sucks, <laughs> but it, I guess it's, it's so sucks helpful nobody's sometimes. used to it yet, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing is probably DomCop. Uh, we, we build on expired domains majority of the time now, or if we don't build on it, we at least buy and then 301 into it. And DomCop makes that process bearable yeah um as opposed to being in all these different auctions and trying to filter through all this stuff domcot is very helpful there have you bought any um blogs before content sites or any business no 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 um i don't know why to be honest with you i think it's just because we have really good success with buying expired domains and we like it if I can find an expired domain where an SEO hasn't touched it, I'm very comfortable. Yeah, um, good point. Good point. Yeah. So that's kind of like we throw it in the Wayback Machine and we have a whole like, you know, SOP around <laughs> verifying these expired domains. And yeah, I just, one of the like big things we look for is has an internet marketer ever touched this site? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they can change things. And if you've just got like a, say again a fishing blog that a fisher person has done for like three years and they've just written content on fishing and they've got natural links you know without link building uh then you're like well it's a no-brainer right like yeah 100 percent. yeah not that i i vow i was actually last night i was on a call i was on odie's uh panel like the odie's um podcast panel um we're talking about buying and selling businesses but we also like sort of valued a a domain and talked about how we would grow it and stuff but have you ever sold any sites as well like nope everything's hold okay cool 
or it gets tanked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Um, I am a big fan of cash flow. Mm. And so for me, um, actually, what a couple websites now, we're actually trying to turn them into e commerce brands and really, you know, we sell info products on a couple of them. And that's been good, but it's I find it very interesting to see like how can we take this one step further? How can we really build a brand with it? Yeah. Um, so I don't know why I've always shied away. I think it's like I'm not opposed to buying a site and flipping it. I really don't know why I've always shied away from it. I guess um, I don't know. Uh, can't train a old dog new tricks. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's a it's a good route. We we have people, uh, especially you know, you've got experience. Like most of the people that join Bob, they have zero experience online. Their goal is like, I just want to make something come online. They got no experience. They don't know what they're doing, right? And they come in, and it's a safe environment. They come out with a business, and they grow it and crush it. You know, like they learn so much through the due diligence process. Uh, and they basically learn how to grow a business through the due diligence process and what goes into it, and uh, then they buy it, and they can, and you know, that's without somebody with experience. Somebody such as yourself, like, whew, look out, you know, like it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could sell sell me on it. You're selling me on it right now. <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not trying to, but like, <laughs> you know, like even if you know, we, you know, we never talked again, and you, you know, you probably wouldn't need my help um in valuing a, a site and stuff but yeah you could do some pretty cool things um but well i think actually that might be a like a drawback is i can and i've looked at buying sites before and i can find a reason not to every single time i'll go into your this one anchor text from this one referring domain is unnatural this is clearly a guest post or a bot link no go um so I think I, I kind of talk myself out of it. <laughs> okay. But again, like, yeah, I, it would be super interesting to me to go through a proper due diligence process mm-hmm. and, and actually look at buying one. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you come from the background of backlink building. Do you now, once people are, you know, getting their content creation team humming, do you suggest them looking at starting some backlink building and if so like when you know like what's that process look like yeah yeah that's why you read my website uh, yeah no, <laughs> I, I, I do on every every guest yeah 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 good stuff good stuff man um yes so what i would do now is focus 100 percent until you get 100 articles out the door um don't even worry about links but that's kind of my number it depends mm-hmm. on if you're buying expired domains uh you know, for us, we don't really have to worry about building links until a lot later on. You know, maybe that's 300 or 500 articles. Um, but for people just starting out, I would recommend 100 articles. And it also, like, the power of focus is real. And it really allows you to just focus all of your time and effort on just building, um, you know, high, high quality content. If you're trying to link build at the same time, it's just hard. It's really freaking hard to do both. Link building's a um, and you, job, man. It's just crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'd say 100, 100 articles and then start building links. Again, that varies if you're buying a business um, or if you are buying expired domains. Um, and then 
I, you know, I, I did a post about this, which I thought was fairly well put together. I would say so many factors, but let's say, you know, you allocate, you go from 100% to content creation, you then switch from 75% of your budget from content creation, 25% goes to link building. Mm. And then once you get 200 or 250 articles out the door, you switch it to 50, 50. Um, Mm -hmm. And then once you kind of realize what's making you money, you know, then you hit the freaking link building hammer hard. Yeah. And you go like 75, 25 posts. You just get them going. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. And, and obviously track those posts and update them. Like how regularly, you know, what goes into tracking for you guys, um, those, you know, your top articles and updating, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, so we have a SLP that basically once a week for our top 20 pages, uh, we're reviewing the rankings on them and we're seeing if we're moving up or down, up or down. Uh, it really doesn't uh, take much. It, it, I mean, it takes somebody an hour a week to get put together. And most of the time, not much is changing. But for instance, we <laughs> I just logged in and we had uh, a very valuable page of ours go to uh position 26 and it was number two and i went and i searched and it's because the page got moved to draft i don't know why well i don't i don't know why someone did that and uh but it's because of that check that we were able to basically figure that out yeah so um yeah we do that once a week and then we'll do a quarterly audit which is kind of like everything you know take account even the like posts that we don't care about as much and then when it comes to updating the posts themselves that's kind of like kind of a checklist you know are we using proper h2 are we targeting the correct keyword uh, how can we expand on this a big thing for us is images how can we add more images to the photo mm-hmm. uh, if you look at like hot jar images are scroll stoppers if they help your like stock photos do not help and they are not scroll stoppers. I'm sorry. Um, but if you can create a really custom image that helps enhance the article, that's a scroll stopper. Yeah. I- images that emphasize points that you're talking about in your piece, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. So it's a mixture of things. It's really not, I wouldn't say it's anything. There's no silver bullet. You can just Google like content update checklist and we're, probably doing that to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the one thing we like to do, I guess that might be a little different is we'll throw the URL into Google search console and then filter for uh, for a specific page, uh, filter the keywords three through 20, I believe, and then see what keywords we can add in where we're getting high impressions, but low clicks. And a lot of the times it's like, just add, like, you're not even using that keyword on the page. It's like, just go throw it in there somewhere and you'll be amazed at how much it can help uh, drive it. And then also, a lot of the times it'll give you good H2s that you should add or it gives you good FAQs that you should add. So, And you do that through uh, Search Console, right? Yep, through Search Console. Cool. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, Alex, it's been such a great chat. Thanks for coming on. Where can we send people to check out more about what you guys are doing? uh alexhorseman.com i think the only thing there is there is no e in horseman h-o-r-s-m-a-n i got that <laughs> wrong a couple of times when i was looking for a <laughs> 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 yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, Jared, I appreciate you having me on, man. It was great. Yeah, it was good fun. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, look forward to chatting again soon. Yeah, sounds good. See ya. See ya. Everybody who's listening, thank you for listening. Please do us a massive favor, share this podcast episode out there for anybody that has a blog that wants to build a content team because there's so much value in here that we talked about, everything from starting to scaling uh, and then updating posts and everything. So please share this off and I'll speak to you on the next one. Hey, YouTube watcher, if you thought that video was good, you should check out this video here on the two best types of websites beginners should buy or check out my playlist on how I made my first 100K from buying websites and how to do due diligence. Check it out, it's an awesome playlist, you'll enjoy it.